0: So my sermon this morning is entitled Faith Versus Fear. Where are you in that balance? From the, uh, an article in Our Daily Bread, the early Americans had a unique practice of training young braves. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, after learning hunting, scouting, fishing skills, he was put to one final test. He was placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from the security of the family and the tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded, taken several miles away. When he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of a thick woods, and he was terrified. Every time a twig snapped, he visualized a wild animal ready to pounce. After what seemed like an eternity, dawn broke, and the first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest. Looking ahead. The boy saw flowers, trees, and the outline of a path. Then, to his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with bow and arrow. It was his father. He had been there, standing watch all night. Your father, watching you through the night hours of your fears. Fear is one of man's oldest and strongest emotions. When you think about those words, fear, fears, feared, fearful, they are all mentioned in the Bible. 600 times this word fear in some form or fashion appears. God knows us. And He knows that there are places within your mind that you're afraid to go, that they will just raise up fearful experiences. So this morning, I want to ask you two questions Are you allowing fear to overpower your faith? And secondly, Is faith in Christ the antidote for fear? Important questions. The dictionary says that fear is a feeling of alarm, disquiet, caused by the expectation of danger, pain, disaster, or the like. It's terror, dread, apprehension, all of those things. The first occurrence of the word fear is in Genesis 15. It's about 2090. Abraham is a land dweller and tribal leader. And he's been relocated, relocated by God to his ancestral home. In other words, God has called Abraham to relocate himself and go to a new land. He's 75 years old. Good morning, Junior, is what I can say. He's adjusting to the change. You know, he's made this huge change, and now he's, things have settled down. And guess what? Bada bing, bada boom, terror strikes. Famine hits the land. He just got here. He's just adjusted, and now there's famine. In response, he moves his people to Egypt where there is no famine. And Genesis 12 tells us that when he was faced with some big issues in Egypt, what do you think he did? Did he go running to God? Did he pray to God? No, he took matters into his own hand because he was fearful of consequences. And so he decided he could lie and get away with it. And that's how he decided to get out of his way rather than trust in the Lord. When the famine ends, he and his people return to their land. And then back home, a war breaks out among five bordering tribes and his nephew Lot is kidnapped. Abraham goes to war. He gets Lot back. Have you ever noticed that sometimes in life one ugly situation seems to come right after another? It's almost as if You can't find any rest. It's almost as if you got over that thing, and now this thing has reared its ugly head. That's what he was experiencing. But as things begin to settle down, Abraham is gripped with the biggest fear of all. He's getting old. Now, a lot of you don't have that fear to worry about, but there are a lot of us who are getting a little older in years. I'm not talking about me now. I'm just trying to identify with you and give you a helping hand. An elderly gentleman had serious hearing problems for a number of years. He went to the doctor, and the doctor was able to have him fitted for a set of hearing aids that allowed the gentleman to hear 100%. The elderly gentleman went back in a month to the doctor, and the doctor said, your hearing is perfect. Your family must really be pleased that you can hear again. The gentleman replied, I haven't told my family yet. I just sit around and listen to the conversations. I've changed my will three times. A man was telling his neighbor, I just bought a new hearing aid. It cost me $4,000, but it's state-of-the-art. It's perfect. Really, answered the neighbor, what kind is it? 1230. <laughs> it took you a minute, right? <laughs> Turn up your hearing aid. Adam Abraham's wife is past childbearing age, and he has no, no heir to lead, guard, and protect his people in the years ahead. The future for Abram seems dark and cloud-filled. Still ringing in his ears are the promises that God made to Abram. I'm going to make you a great nation. And you think that he would cling to God's promise. This is sort of like us. We know God's promises. We believe God's word until we have to put it to the test. And then we begin to crumble. You know, I've said this a million times. Somebody just reminded me of this the last couple of days. If you're going to pray for rain... Make sure you bring an umbrella, huh? If you're going to really say that God's going to do great things in your life, let Him do great things and come expecting. When you don't come expecting, you come doubting. And it's very hard for God to acknowledge your prayers when you're doubting Him. Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding reward. In other words, he's telling him, I am here for you. How many times have you heard God tell you? He's here for you. How many of you listened with open ears? God tells Abraham, Trust me, not your fears. How many times have you gone through a situation in which you were so fear-filled that you became overwrought, that you became overwhelmed? All you could think about was what was troubling you. It became obsession in your mind. You couldn't let it go. And when you can't let go of these things, they haunt you. And that's what fear can do. God tells Abraham, trust me, not your fears. Mine is the invisible hand that shields and protects you. So hang in there. I will reward your faith and help you to conquer your fear. Some things warrant our fear. That's why designer God built the capacity to fear into your DNA. But he didn't intend you to become immobilized by fear. And fear can immobilize. Two examples. An out-of-control forest fire or building fire is a fearful thing, right? I remember as a kid on 3rd Avenue and 25th Street, one night there was a fire. Now, I lived on 22nd Street. So I went down because we heard all of, the, all of the fire trucks going down there. And it was an apartment building that was on fire. It was the scariest thing I'd ever seen at that point in my life. The whole building was engulfed with flames. that were coming out of the windows. People, no one died in that. But you know what I saw next? I saw the fireman like my dad, but he wasn't here, he was in that fire but I saw firemen like my dad running into the building. And I said, "How could they do that?" And the answer is, they come out, they, they overcome their fear, they beat it, they drown it, and they bury it into submission. Second example: the crazed rodeo bull snorting, bucking, which has thrown its rider, and it's pretty fearful. I mean, would you like to face that? But the rodeo clowns, what do they do? They go right after them. They come as close as they possibly can to those hooves kicking up in the air, those horns about to gouge them. We don't face fears of fire. We don't face fears of wild bulls, but we do face giants. What kind of giants? For some of us, fears are the giants that want to crush and destroy us. What do you fear? Some of us face the powerful and frightening giants of anxiety. I know that there are people, maybe even sitting here this morning, who suffer from anxiety and stress and worry, depression, fear of being alone, fear of serious illness, Alzheimer's, cancer. Face fear of what your future holds. These are all the things that can face anybody in this room, and maybe they do. Now, God's made a promise to you as he made to Abraham. What he promised Abraham is what he promises you. I'm going to be there for you when you experience those fearful attacks. What we fear can be real or imagined as Moses led Israel out of the Egyptian bondage. They came to that place, as you well remember, where they were facing the sea, and behind them was Pharaoh's army. Now you can't get any more desperate situations. You're either going to drown or you're going to be killed. They are another way. And what did they do? They heard the verse, the, the voice of Moses. And here's what he said Exodus 14, 13, and 14. Moses said to the people, Fear not. And I'm sure some of them said, What are you out of your mind? I mean, are you not in touch with reality? You see what's ahead of us? You see what's behind us? And you're telling us not to fear? Fear not. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more ever. The Lord shall fight for you, and and you shall hold your peace. The Lord is going to do this. Those who held them in bondage and captivity were destroyed. What holds you captive? Angry feelings, bitter feelings, disappointment, negativity. We can allow our fear. We can't allow our fear to overcome our faith. We have to reach higher and put our trust in the Lord. What is it that you fear? Name it. Have you ever done that? Say, Lord, I'm going through this period of anxiety. My heart's beating rapidly. I'm having a panic attack. What can I do? Ask the Lord to hold your hand. Ask the Lord to take the stress down. I'm going to give you some verses later on that you can look up that'll help you deal with fear. God wants to fight those fears not for you, with you. Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord, thy God, will hold thy right hand standing unto thee, staying unto thee, fear not I will help thee. Can you picture that? Can you picture when you're going through that period of anxiety and stress that you reach out and there's Jesus hand holding on to you. When you were a kid, when I was a kid there was something being afraid of something and having my father hold my hand. My parents didn't live together very long in my life. But when my father was around, to be able to hold on to his hand and feel secure. Imagine, picture Jesus holding onto your hand when you go through some of these difficult times in your life. He promises to be there. Claim the promise that God says, I'll hold onto your right hand and you don't have to fear. I'll help you. Can you claim that through this anxiety? Lord, you made a promise in your word and I believe your word to be true and I believe that you never promise something you can't deliver. I need you to help me to get through this doesn't necessarily mean wash it away, wipe it away, get rid of it and, it, it, and where there was 10 on the scale of 1 to 10, you're now down to zero. Not necessarily mean, doesn't, not, doesn't necessarily mean that, but it does mean that he will get you through this and get you to the next place, which will be a better place. You can trust him for that, amen. What? That was an anemic amen. You're going to have to go along with a little mirror and check under your nose, make sure you're still breathing. <laughs> but just think. You can claim God's wrath. If you don't claim them, how can you hold them accountable for what he's done for you? When you've struggled and twisted and turned and done all you can to overcome your fear to the best of your ability, the enemies of your peace are still there. The Apostle Paul went through a dark period. He told the church at Corinth what motivated him to leave the town of Troas and go to a town called Macedonia. So here he was in a, in a desperate situation, and he didn't know which way to turn, but, but God promised that he would be there. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 4-7. to seven. Listen to the account of what was happening with Paul. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Verse 4. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. I can still have joy through the hard times. Verse 5. For when we were come to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comfort those that are cast down comforted us by coming. Of Titus, And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me so that I rejoice the more. What's he saying? If you were listening to verse 5, he said, No rest for the flesh. He couldn't sleep. Have you ever had a time like that? When what was so tough in your life, what you were going through, you couldn't find any sleep and any rest. Paul had it. He was troubled on every side. A new new crisis every time he turned around. Just when he thought he had this one knocked down, another one rises up. No rest for the body. No rest for the mind. Have you been there? Fighting outwardly, fearful inwardly. In other words, he was in a state of panic, having a panic attack. You can't think of these great heroes in the Bible as having these very same things that you could be plagued with. But every character, every person in this book is a real person with real joys, with real despair, and with real problems, just like you. And you get a chance to see how they work through these things with God's help. He had no medicine, no medication, he couldn't go and get his pills. There were no doctors to help him. There was no hospital to run into. So God had to help him another way. And what was that way 2,000 years ago? A friend. A friend named Jesus. A friend named Titus. And the prayers of his church family. That's what he had on his side. He had the Lord. Paul was open about his fears. He had to admit to them. He had to name them. He had to turn them over to the Lord. Burying them, stuffing them, denying them, wishing them away, or toughing them out would not do the job. And yet that's how we approach these things. We hope it'll go away. It's not going to go away. Paul was a man of Scripture, and as events and fears swirled around him, Paul went straight to the source of hope and help. He went to the Lord and the Word. Maybe as he experienced sweaty palms, or as he tossed and turned in bed thinking not sleeping, maybe he sought the comfort of one of the psalms. There are people in this congregation who tell me how important it is for them to read a psalm every day. And I wanna tell you something, the psalms are therapeutic, amen? You have tremendous resources available to you in the fight against fear. The Bible, the Holy Spirit, the family of faith, suffering and fear are part of a believer's life. But so is victory. So is overcoming. After Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, amen. After the night comes the morning. After the storm comes the rainbow. We saw it yesterday. With God by our side, there is comfort in the time of the storm. There is peace that passes understanding. There is mercy and grace. There is help when we're helpless, hope when we're hopeless. When the fires of fear blaze around you, don't let the flames immobilize you. Do what your fears don't want you to do. Face them. Fight them. Call out to the Lord. Get on your knees. Go take a walk. Go forth in faith. Set your gaze beyond the fear to a place of safety and peace. And who do we look to? Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Call upon Jesus. Name the thing that you fear the most. Name what you're going through and say, Lord, I'm going through this anxiety. I can't handle it. I think it's going to kill me. I can't breathe. I feel my heart pounding. I can't get it out of my head. Help! Can I say help is on the way? Are you leading with your fears? Or are you leading with your faith? I've given you seven. It was handed out while you were in the church. I've given you seven verses. And I've spelled them out for you here. Take this with you when you go home. Put it on your refrigerator. When you're going through your fears, your worst fears, here they are. Things that you can claim. Things you can pray about. Thinking you can name and say, Lord, did you promise this or didn't you promise this? Because if you promise this, I claim that promise. Amen? Claim the promises. And so, don't let your fears overcome your faith. Your faith is greater than your fears. And the one who wants to fight is greater than any enemy you have. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen? One more time, amen? amen? Wow, did you hear that up the street? Let's pray. Father God, yes, amen. We can trust you. Not just in the good weather, but when it rains like this, troubles and things that oppress us. We thank you, Father, that you're always near. You're like the father of the little Indian boy who opened his eyes to a beautiful world because, Dad, he was there. Help us to remember Jesus cried out to you, Father God. Abba, Daddy. And so when we go through hard times, thank you for allowing us to call your daddy and asking you to hold our hand and help us through the rough times. Bless each person here. Anoint each person here. Encourage each person here. Lift up each person here, Lord. Inspire each person. Help us to fight back and not to just lay down and die because we know that our Lord and Savior is our conqueror and goes before us and tells us, Fear not, be of good cheer, be courageous. Amen and amen.